Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, we have one whole game to talk about, although that's going to change in next week's episode when we have multiple games to talk about. But uh, we have one game to talk about, and it's unfortunate because the Islanders played pretty well in that game, but only came away with one point, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, it was. I I, I took it, you know, taking a step back and you just look at the record. Uh, three, two, and two, and you, you look at it and you say, like, this is great. Like, this is what you would sign up for before a thirteen game uh sure. road trip to start the season, and especially after the way it started with playing two teams that um, <laughs> I think Florida just lost their first game. Right. Uh, yeah, they're fifteen and one, I guess, combined. Right. The- <laughs> yeah. So, so two teams that the Islanders haven't been able to get a point against are fifteen and one combined, and uh, but they took care of business in uh, Arizona, and then they beat a depleted Vegas team, and obviously uh, the Chicago game too. And so I was kind of expecting uh, this record thereabouts, anyways. And uh, but yeah, you you're right. Like they they deserve to to, to win that game. Um, a couple bad bounces uh i think i think they've been generally unlucky throughout this road trip a little bit uh like just i think they just haven't really got the bounces to go their way which you know what that's hockey and uh it just it happens but I th- i've just it, anecdotally that's that's how i how i feel and uh but i i think there's if you look at the first half of the road trip like that there's so much there's a lot more positives to take from it the negatives, I think, which two weeks ago 
I, I wouldn't have thought I would be saying that, but uh, <laughs> I think, you know, for, for example, Oliver Wallstrom, who scored uh, mm. a great goal on uh, whenever they played the Predators. I can't remember because <laughs> we don't, they don't really play. They play once a week. And, uh, but and that was great too. A one thirty Saturday game. Like not only is it the only game within 10 days, but right. it's at one thirty on a Saturday. So it was, I, was just that like, ever explained why <laughs> that was there only the one thirty? It's just a weird time. I you don't know. know. Like just, I think it was something to do with they had the Hall of Fame game. They were kept mentioning uh, with down there some like college game between North Dakota and someone else because there were okay. a lot of people with uh, North Dakota jerseys. So I'm guessing hmm. you know that was it. Um, but no, I, I mean it's still like it's just as frustrating because uh, yeah, you 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 know you, you'd want them to get. Uh, into some sort of rhythm i guess the players are probably thrilled because they could fly home you know they flew to nashville fly home and uh they're home at night uh and then they have a couple of days off before their game in montreal but uh it's just been as, as a fan it's been hard to kind of get into regular season mode a little bit uh because of that but you know, like i was saying i think there's much more positive than negative to take from it and i think the biggest two positives are or I, you know i wouldn't even say three positives because uh i shouldn't overlook matt barzell he's been great <laughs> i think the three positives that i'm taking from it are barzell wallstrom and sorokin those have probably been the three stars of the first half of this road trip yeah and they were all pretty good in uh in nashville although we'll talk about matt barzell's uh unfortunate uh trip or tripped himself or whatever it was uh on the game time goal later but uh yeah i mean i think three th- three two and two through the first half of this crazy you know series beginning road trip is pretty good and they've gotten progressively better over time now that happens to coincide with playing teams that aren't the hurricanes and fly and panthers which i think you have to acknowledge because that was again a tough way to start any season but you know once i got away from those two guys they've looked a heck of a lot better and i was really nervous because i was i thought the same thing you did like okay great they've got a week off then they've got a game. It's a one thirty matinee game in Nashville. Like those are two things that have almost never historically been a good situation for the Islanders. Barry Trotz talked about it a lot. Like, you know, he loves Nashville. It means a lot to him as a person, but it's never really been kind to him as a coach, <laughs> as an opposing coach. And, uh, you know, it's funny because they came out and I got to confess, I didn't watch the whole game. I caught up with the, the highlights the next day. I was actually on my way into the city to see Dune. Uh, which is great. So with my friend, see it in IMAX if you can, uh, because that's the way it was really meant to be seen. I know that's kind of a lot for some people, but don't watch it on HBO Max. Either see it in a theater, or if you can't see it in IMAX, see it in IMAX. If you have to see it in a theater, at least do that. But uh, I did watch the first two periods for the most part uh, between my home and my phone, and uh, the Islanders played really well. I was worried, but boy, they came out really on fire. Like They had a really, really good start. Um you know, the first couple of minutes were a little wonky, but then they, they kind of took over and um, Bo scored on the power play. It was a, one of the better power play goals we've seen of the Islanders in years. <laughs> the kind of goal we're always like, I got to yeah, know the score. Kidding. kidding. That was, that was yeah. that, I don't know what got into them. That was right. I like that Josh Bailey, he, two minutes before the, the pass to lead to that goal on the power play, try to behind the back, no right. look between the legs pass and then <laughs> one upped himself with the the shot the fake shot pass to, mm. to, to get but yeah like you said that that was what a power play that was yeah it was beautiful it took all of about 20 seconds and it makes boom, you mad it was almost because you're like why can't you just do this more i'm all not asking for it every time just like just do it 22 <laughs> percent of the time instead of 17 or whatever they are <laughs> right uh yeah you would never know that their power play was in the toilet 
before that goal, after watching that goal. But um, again, they had a good start, and then they played pretty well in the second, too. Um, but the Predators tied it, Tanner Janot. Um, at first, I was like, oh, great, another rookie. First, But he doesn't. He had three goals before this, so it wasn't one of those situations. But Tanner Janot tied the game. Uh, the puck kind of went through Yakov Trenin's legs. He was kind of standing in front. He did that kind of leaping screen thing, and it went right under Sorokin's arm, and it tied the game. And again, it's a situation we've seen before where you know, the Islanders played really, really well. And maybe, maybe should have been up two or three goals. And they were only up one, and all of a sudden the game is tied. But then Oliver Wallstrom, who you mentioned before, scores another beautiful power play goal. <laughs> and Butch practically jumped out of his skin. He was like, oh, boy. You know, we haven't, I don't know if we've ever heard noises like that from Butch before. It was kind of a weird experience. <laughs> but, uh, but boy, what a goal. Like a uh, heck of a shot, you know. And, and uh, Wallstrom has looked very, very, very good in these first uh, couple of games, which is awesome to see, you know, especially for like a third line guy who's really not getting that much playing time period. Yeah. I think he's, he's probably, if, if you were uh, to just kind of take a, you know, if you did like a grades, I think he'd probably be the only player who would get like an A, you know, I think Barzell and Sorokin maybe get a minus just because of the yeah. the, the first two games for Sorokin and P- Parisi would be up there, but he hasn't scored yeah. anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so like he's what, not only is Wallstrom, uh, he, he did have a tough first game, but basically everybody did. So, but I think, but he's been the one that's really ticking all the boxes. Uh, there's been a lot to like from a lot of different people, but he's definitely, uh, I, I would say the first, I don't think they're giving out a trophy for it, but the first <laughs> half of the, season opening road trip MVP for sure. Uh, he's, yeah. And he's, he, you can see he's like much better at, um, I think people, he had a reputation as being like a, uh, one trick pony almost, uh, mm. you know, with the shot. Cause his, his shot is ridiculously good, obviously. But, uh, I guess when that happens, a lot of times people just focus on that. Oh, he's got an elite shot. And, and it's such, we always make fun of these like prospect writers. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he can skate at the NHL level. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, that's true about 99.9% of people on this planet. Like uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all find out together. But if, if you've already got a shot like that, I, you know, it was about same with Tavares. You, if you have a good enough tool, otherwise um, the skating can catch up to you and it can, can, can catch up with it. And uh, his, th- I think there was a little bit of concern about his like hockey IQ too. Uh, mm. I think people didn't think he engaged as much, but I think he just goes about playing in a much different way. Uh, and I think that probably looks weird to maybe scouts and, and prospect writers because he, he's he's a, he's a lot more clever than he is. Um, than I don't like I would I don't want to say he's he's like and he maybe he is intelligent. I'm not saying that, but like his his <laughs> hockey IQ isn't uh, is much more about being clever and like more guile than maybe just smarts generally. Like he might maybe he's not in the right spot, but he knows uh how to like lift a stick or something if he is behind having having to play catch up for maybe missing his mark on a on a back check or something like he's he i think he's he's much more uh he's better at at these things just in a much more or he's better at you know these fundamentals but in a much more uh untraditional sense i guess is what i'm trying to say because he's he's a very peculiar player yes and he's just got a hell of a shot yeah, and as Arthur Staple pointed out in his uh, No Sleep Till Belmont today, like he's you know his personality is kind of quirky and and you know funny and I think like I think what you're getting at is because he had he had a sort of a weird route to getting to this point and I mean obviously he's not a finished product he's had a pretty good couple of weeks and that's great but like you know he had that that time in Bridgeport which was like really kind of 
unproductive. His time at, at in college was also kind of not productive. I feel like he had some time in Europe that was sort of like, I don't know about this, but like, you know, when the Islanders drafted him, it seemed like a real coup and then nothing really came of it prior to him coming to the NHL. And then you could see the shot and you're like, okay, this guy's got a good shot. Maybe they can, you know, work on it and, and maybe, you know, augment that with other stuff. But now he's kind of, you can see him kind of putting everything together. And as Butch Goring would say, he would wrap the whole thing up, basically everything you and I both just said, by just saying, well, he's getting his feet moving, Brendan. Like, that's what he would just say. And, <laughs> and he's right. He's not wrong. Like, no, he is getting right. his feet moving, and it is paying off. And and you could see it in, in parts like that goal. And also later on, there was another point where he, especially in that game where he, he I remember getting op- him getting open for another shot uh, at some point later on, too, and just like, you know, he probably wouldn't have done that maybe last year, like finding finding that open ice and getting getting open like that, because that's what good shooters do. Like they find the open ice. I mean, what is Phil Kessel if not a guy with a great shot and, you know, not a whole lot else? <laughs> he used to be pretty fast. I don't think he's really that fast anymore. But like he's good at, at finding open ice and getting getting open and getting that shot off. So like, you know, he's been very successful at doing that for a long time. So if, you know, if Wallstrom can end up doing that, plus stuff like, you know, getting the, the hockey sense to like lift a stick when he's on a back check or do these other little things that I'm sure he's learning from his his teammates and his coaches, then you're talking about getting a, a really darn good player at a very, very young age, which is great. Yes, and it's also funny to like put him right next to Kiefer Bellows because obviously right. there's no reason not to, right? They're, they're <laughs> similar age, they have similar skill set, but like one of them has just figured it out and the other one hasn't. Right. Uh, and it, like you watch wallstrom on on these shifts and he's he's got like uh a lot of the little like he, he he's not as good as anders lee at it but he's he's very good at keeping plays alive when he's prop he's not the favorite to win a puck battle like he'll right. he'll he he might have bad positioning at first because of just you know he's he's behind on the play or whatever but he's strong enough and he's uh he's strong enough and, and a good enough skater now to with this balance is like to win these battles that he didn't look like he was going to keep a play alive and if he keeps a play alive, it's dangerous because that means that, yeah, like the, the defense is going to be scrambling a little bit. And like you said, he finds the space and we've seen a lot uh, that when he, he more than any player on the team, probably like when he has the puck on his stick, you, you kind of know already if it's going in the net or not. Like right. he, uh, I remember last year, a couple times on shootout attempts, you're just like, Oh, he's going to score. Uh, <laughs> and, and that the, the goal he scored against the predators. When, when you just saw him, you're like, there's you know 50 50 chance that this player with this shot scores from that spot uh it's almost surprising sometimes when when he does take a shot and miss it uh from <laughs> from like those open areas right. um but yeah he's he's you know and it's funny because i i i don't know how uh you know many people have comped him like this but like he he if you watch like austin matthews play a little bit he is similar to like they both have great shots matthews obviously in a completely different class mm. Then Wallstrom, a couple classes below, of course. Uh, but like you know, it's just uh, he. But they have similar qualities too. Like it's a great shot, and uh, and and Matthews is a little bit of a freelancer too with the the little stuff like you know how he wins battles or mm. tries to keep plays alive. So it's uh yeah, it's a good trajectory, and he's he's much more fun to watch than I thought he was. Just judging by the scouting reports that I've read, uh, right. that I read pre. Uh, you know, his debut, I just, like I said before, I thought he's just going to be kind of a Mike Hoffman type, but he, <laughs> but he's much more, uh, much, much, much more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and winning those battles is going to help him freelance and not drive Barry Trotz up the wall, you know, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> winning those battles is a huge thing, uh, which is a perfect way to lead into the third period. So 
the Islanders started out okay in the third period, but then the Predators started to kind of take over a little bit towards the end. Sorokin had to come up big, uh, which he's done for the most part this early part of the season, at least, you know, again, after those first two games, he had a, he had a save on a two on O at one point. I forget. Was it, was it Pollock? I think, or somebody coughed up the puck at center ice and yeah, it was Pollock. Yeah. All of a sudden there were two predators coming at Sorokin. I don't know how he stopped it, but he did. Um, and then the predators managed to tie it on a really, really weird goal. That's going to lead to a very, very uncomfortable conversation. Uh, so they're in the Islander zone. Zidane Chara's, Stick breaks. We, we're not still sure how. Maybe he broke it himself. Maybe it just fell apart. Who knows? And on the commentary, you know, so so he's kind of looking around for a stick. And as Butch mentions, like, it can't just be anybody's stick. I mean, this guy's like 6'9". He can't take this little, some little guy's stick because that's just not going to work. And so Anders Lee ends up giving him, gives Char his stick. I guess he's the only guy on the ice who's, you know, more or less Char's size or at least closest to it. Um, but by this point, the whole thing only takes a couple of seconds all hell has completely broken loose. And all of a sudden it's like a Benny Hill sketch and everybody's kind of running around and you can see that the Islanders are way out of position and Matt Barzell is on the ice and he falls down. I, I think he was cutting to cut to, to maybe get in somebody's way and he fell down. And so Tanner, you know, again, because, <laughs> because as you know, the devils, you know, is better than the devil. You don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's error. That's awful. That's terrible. But all right. Well, so for the, the, the for the listeners that are still here, uh, we can continue. <laughs> um, so Jeanneau has the puck. He's on the goal line. And again, all the Islanders are out of position. Chara has Lee's stick. Barzell is on the ice. And he just kind of floats it towards the net. And it bounced off of, again, I, I think it was Pollock. Um, it bounced off of his skate, maybe off of his stick, or maybe off the guy in front stick. Anyway, it goes in. And boom, you've got a, a tied game again. And it's like... Really? Oh, after all this, you guys played so well. All of a sudden, it's tied, and that was late. I don't. I didn't write down the time, but uh, it, it, you know, it was a really deflating kind of goal because the Islanders have played so well, and you thought, you know, if they had had one more goal, they would have been able to carry it and protect it and carry it and take out, you know, the, close it out and take home the two points. But instead, it's a tie game. You go to overtime. The Islanders had absolutely nothing in overtime. Sorokin had about ten different. Uh, saves. Uh, Pollock had a two-on-one with Nelson at one point, but nothing really came of it. Uh, UC Saros was very good. Uh, he made 34 saves in the game and Sorokin 21, but still the Predators kind of carried overtime. And then in the shootout, it was uh, Philip Forsberg, who had been stoned all game by Sorokin, scores pretty easily, and Roman Yossi scored even easier. Than, and that was it. It was done. And uh, I forget who the uh, the shooters were for the uh, the Islanders. I think it was maybe Nelson and Beauvillier. Or- it was Wallstrom. Wall- Oh, and Beauvillier maybe, but it wasn't, you know, it was, yeah. One of them, I think yeah, it was like, and so like on one hand, you're like, ah, it's a a coin flip. What are you going to do? It's a shootout. But at the same time, like, again, you're the better of play for over, you know, half that game, (laughs) three quarters of the game. And you only walked away with one point. That's pretty disappointing. And as Barry Trott said too, in a a building that has not been kind to you, that's, that's the best game. The Islanders have played in Nashville, maybe (laughs) ever. I don't even know. (laughs) It's been a long time. And uh, and so it's a disappointing thing. Now, it is nice to see them come out and play really well, particularly again in an afternoon game, particularly their only game in, in a 10-day stretch. But, man, I hope that that missed point doesn't come back to, like, bite their ass later on in the season because gonna, that's going to make it suck even more, you know, months from now, which is if it doesn't suck already. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, like anytime you do lose or drop a point in October, 
or even November, right. you just start to think about that and be like, I, I want to try to remember this um, <laughs> for when we get towards the business end of the schedule. Uh, yeah, they, that, that third period was, was a little frustrating because like they played such a good road game up in, for, except for four minutes. Mm, uh, right. And, and then, like I was saying earlier, like the bouncers aren't going their way. Uh, I don't think. And, and when they don't go their way, they end up in the back of the net. I feel like, uh, so in uh, that the second Juno goal was frustrating. I don't like. I don't. I don't think you can really blame anyone. I'm not saying that uh, Chara has been good at all, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, like just because that puck ends up going off someone's shin pad and in the net, like people then uh, you know piled on the whole <laughs> Chara thing. But I, I mean that I just find that to be a pretty shitty bounce more than anything. But, not that aside uh yeah like he's you know he's been struggling i think they're tr- trying to fit him uh they're struggling to fit him in the right way for because t- for, for to me like the islanders have never been a team where speed really obviously matters like mm. it's they're not they aren't a quick team they have but they you would have uh they have a smattering of quick players uh peppered throughout the lineup and you know obviously one is barzell and then you could say like the second line with Beauvilliers. uh then you got players like Peugeot and Parisi in the third line. And so they don't really play a fast game, but they have fast players and then uh, losing, not having the defense not having basically any <laughs> fast skaters. I mean, honestly, right. Andy, who is it? Andy. And honestly might be Andy green in a straight line right now. Uh, he's <laughs> Ryan Pollock's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're all, but like none of them are fast is the point, right? right? Like yeah. they're all look, Ryan Pollock is much closer to Andy green level speed than he's, than he is to Devon Taves. <laughs> that's true. So, that's true. so it's like you, you can't and and Dobson too like he's he's a, he's a smooth skater but he's right. he's I think he's also a little maybe a little unsure of like what his mm. game should be right now like he's they've been very careful with like bringing him along and they're very happy to keep him next to players like Green and uh, mm. Char in the beginning of the year too like they they seem to love the fact that he, this guy's going to be playing with the two oldest defensemen in the league for the first <laughs> four years of his career but uh, he he's his his game too is like a little, it's not there yet uh, for the season. Uh, So I think when uh, the, the rest of the, the team kind of finds form and, and hopefully they do soon. And then when Chara, if, if Chara hasn't yet, like that's when I'm really going to get concerned because like, let's be honest, they're not going to do anything. Like they're not Mm going to, so Daniel Chara is not going to be waived. He's not going to be scratched. He might, maybe he'll be scratched on the back to back coming up but like mm-hmm. it's not like he's he's going to be in the lineup much more than Sebastian Ajo or Robin Salo whoever you think you want to play like that's just this is not Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello's MO right so <laughs> so it's like you kind of just you, it's 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 just at some point like it's going to turn into like Leo Komarov or Brian Strait or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and and it would just be a shame for it to get to that level yeah. with this guy yeah, like I said last week, you know, I don't want to repeat what we talked about last week because then it sounds like we're piling on. And I, I'm with you. Like, even, even Trot said, like, that goal was really more unlucky than anything else. It wasn't just about, you know, their, you know, kind of ineptitude or whatever. Or Chara, it certainly wasn't Chara's fault alone. But, you know, it is pretty obvious that he's he's not quite what he was. He's definitely losing battles on the ice and definitely, you know, kind of uh, the Islanders have a tendency to kind of get stuck in their own zone when he's out there a little bit. Um, you know, he's not going to bring much on offense. We kind of knew that, but it's just, it, it is maybe, maybe it's just the adjustment period. I don't know. Again, they've been on the road this whole time. 
But like I said last week, you know, I, I feel like they're going to give him a couple of home games before they make a determination to buy it. Like maybe we should sit this guy a game or two. Maybe they sit this week, although he did play last the last back to back. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. <laughs> but, you know, we thought that, you know, surely this uh, whatever back to back game in Vegas would be the time to get Sebastian Ajo in a lineup. And nope, it was the same exact lineup. It was the night before in, in Arizona. So, um, you yeah, know, we'll have to see. But. So I wouldn't be surprised if this team scratch is definitely not going to get waived, and he's certainly not going to, you know, uh, get traded or anything. I just, uh, you know, I think there's a better chance he retires and he gets waived. Yeah, <laughs> he just wakes up one day and is like, you know what? I came back. I- I'm having a hard time with it, and um, you know, I think I just want to go out. I- I'm glad I was able to play for the Islanders again, and that's it. You know, but uh, not that I think that would happen either. But um, you know, I, I feel like. Something might give at some point, but the problem again is that the guys behind him, I guess, just don't have the trust of the coaching staff. Whether it's Aho, whether it's Salo, poor Thomas Hickey, my God, he got to skate <laughs> to know. the face the other day in Bridgeport. I mean, this poor guy, like you can't just just give him a break. <laughs> it feels so bad. Um, but you know, even if he was playing, like I don't know if they would have called him up and played him. So, um, you know, I'm with you. Chara's not really going anywhere, no matter what happens out there on the ice, and they're just going to have to adjust and. He's going to have to figure it out or they're going to have to figure it out around him and, and just keep going. And, you know, they got three games this week. Uh, we'll talk about them in the second half uh, against Montreal, against Winnipeg, against Minnesota. Certainly three winnable games, not easy games, but certainly winnable games. And I think that, you know, maybe those three plus coming home and they play the Devils and then their home home um, might, uh, you know, go a long way into determining exactly what what Zidane Char is going to be doing for this team going forward this season. Yeah. And, and- and I think that it's not just him too, uh, in terms of players. Like I said, like there there are some players who are, I don't think, uh, have have realized their final form for the season. And mm. Josh Bailey is definitely starting to round into that form. It, I love that it takes him a couple of weeks, you know, always, every year. Like, always, it's just, and it's <laughs> and, and then when he clicks it, he does it in in like a spectacular way, like he did mm. in the past couple of games. And uh, so it's 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 nice to see Bailey's back uh, to to being. Uh, elite winger josh bailey mode and uh i think like you know brock nelson too is, he, he didn't have the the normal brocktober so there, there are some other guys who are uh not at the level that they were at last season yet and the fact that they're three two and two despite that is first mm. of all a testament to the goaltending uh but also a testament just to that this team is good enough uh it used to be that if if the first line how often will we just lament if the John Tavares line doesn't score. The Islanders aren't winning right. because they didn't have the guys, the, the other kind of pass to success around him. Um, you know, they do. Cause you know, if the first line is not motoring the Pajot line with, with uh, you know, Wallstrom can, can win a game on its own and the, or the defense can do it or the goaltender who uh, has just, I mean, it's, it's like, you, it's funny because the two games like Columbus and Nashville, uh, because he didn't pitch a shutout, I think <laughs> I, 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 it's kind of be forgotten a little bit. But he was great in both. Like he, mm. he made some really that two on zero save was fascinating more than anything because it was kind of a flubbed two on zero. And usually when that happens, because the goalie's sliding to you, you basically just gotta sell out for either the pass or the shot. Uh, he he was still able to make the save, which was was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he made a couple, he made another one of those saves like he did in game five against Pittsburgh where he didn't see it, uh, and was just in the right spot and kind of just hit him. Uh, so he's, he's just, he's, he's been awesome and, and they're getting Varlamov back soon. So, uh, 
it's just there's much more there's more reasons to be focused on the positives than uh this makes me sick to say obviously like that but (laughs) there's much more reasons to be focused on the positives coming out of these first uh seven games than the negatives uh and and there is one glaring negative for sure but i think that if this if if that does end up getting mitigated or uh improving then this team is in a really really good spot I and mean, they were there was a sport that i was did you see that sportsnet article that was written about them like some I don't, i've never heard of the writer but it was on sportsnet and it was like the about islanders the, are like the senators and the yes. sharks um yes. i was like rubbing my eyes <laughs> wait a minute someone's writing because it was a pretty nuanced article i thought uh much more than you you normally get from that part of the the sports world and uh i thought it was funny that like you, there's so many different ways you can focus your attention right now with the two on uh, with the way Carolina started Edmonton Florida uh, or the way that Chicago or Montreal started there's a lot so so the fact that this writer spent a lot you know time and was smart writing about the Islanders ho-hum three two and two start and being Hmm. and and writing about it in a positive light was was kind of uh stunning in a way yeah I I saw the headline and immediately rolled my eyes as if it was because it was going to be these guys just can't get the job done, you know, like the, cause that when I think of the 2000 senators, that's what I think of <laughs> just a really good team that, you know, just never got the job done, but it wasn't like that at all. It was about a team that, you know, again, it's just kind of, they're just quietly dominant basically was, I think the, the words he said, and they just, you know, they go about their business and they're just super, super good, but they're, they do it in a quiet way. And, you know, by, by being three, two and two and having their head above water during this crazy road trip, the Islanders are showing that kind of resilience that the Senators did uh, back then. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll link to it. It was a good one. I, again, I, I, I'm with you. I was like, mm, I don't know about this, but it turned out to be a, a, a pretty, pretty intelligently written article from Sportsnet about the Islanders. Yeah. It's a pretty rare thing. <laughs> and and it, I think it, it, it kind of captured the way I felt too. I'm just mm. like, yeah, he's this guy's right. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost boring to just be like, all right, like, yeah, you know, they got through it and the first part. So. What you know? We, what do we know about this team? I remember I was writing an article for work just about regression candidates for from a betting standpoint, and you know, digging into the Islanders' numbers. I mean, like, what can you tell about this team other than that they've done what they're supposed to? Like, yeah. their uh, advanced uh, numbers aren't great right now, but they've played seven straight games over the season on the road and on the road, and they got pummeled in the first two of them. So, like, we're not gonna know really <laughs> much mm. about this team outside of the like you said, like the resiliency and the the fact that like that they are who we thought they were supposed to be uh, th- for a little while here. Like there's there's very little um, that you know it can all change obviously with one game, but like right now there's very little uh, hoopla you can you can assign to this team one way or another. Yeah, no, that that's that's the way it works. Yeah, and and that's good <laughs> in this case. Yeah. That's a good thing. Um, speaking of the road trip, before we take our break, uh. I was I was wrong. So they they play the three games this week that we're going to talk about. Then they come home. They play the Devils. Then they go back on the road to Florida. And they got to play the Lightning and Panthers back to back before they come home. So those we'll talk about those two games when we get to them. <laughs> but uh, I completely I was like, no, wait a minute. I got my my calendar wrong. There is a, one other week before they play at UBS, and that is the, the trip to Florida. But in any event, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the next three games. We're going to talk about this unbelievably terrible division that the Islanders are stuck in playing in and uh, how much we just hate it and all the teams in it. So uh, please come back in a minute and we'll uh, have some more fun. All right. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, Albany Choppers, Beast of New Haven. I keep forgetting to mention the Beast of New Haven. If you've seen this logo, you know what it looks like. It's got like fluorescent highlights. It's got this weird sort of gargoyle thing. It's a very 90s logo. And the only place you can get Beast of New Haven merchandise is at VintageIceHockey.com. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts. And our portion of the sales of which go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You'd also use the code Lighthouse15 to save yourself 15%. So go to VintageIceHockey.com today and check out all the cool stuff. Uh, okay, so the Islanders have three games this week. Uh, they're in Montreal on Thursday. Canadians are playing right now. I believe they're still up 2 nothing on the Red Wings and finally showing signs of life <laughs> for the first time this season. Um, then on Saturday, they're in Winnipeg. Kind of thought the Winnipeg Jets would have a new general manager by now, but they don't, which is extremely frustrating and disappointing and disgusting. And then on Sunday, they are in uh, Minnesota to play the Wild. Uh, means more, obviously, for Zach Parisi than pretty much anybody else. Uh, let's start with Montreal. They got off to this incredibly terrible start. They were, what was it, winless in five or six or something like that? And I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with the Canadians? How can they fix this? Um I'm not an expert, but I think not having Shea Weber, who is basically retired, Kerry Price, who is in the uh, Players Assistance Program dealing with some personal issues, and Philip Deneau, who signed with the LA Kings, might have something to do with the Habs being winless in their first three weeks of play. I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm not Arpan Basu of The Athletic or any <laughs> of these other guys. I'm just going to go ahead and throw out there. Like, if the, if you took literally Ryan Pollock. Simeon Varlamov and Matt Barzell off the Islanders. Like, what, what, what would you have? I, yeah. I don't know. They'd probably be winless too. Like, I just, you know, it would be bad. It would be really bad. Yeah, I used the word fascinating before. If yeah. Fascinating is such a good way to describe the way that the Canadians are covered. We spent yeah. so much time, and I spent so much time thinking the about Leafs, the Leafs. Right? Yeah. yeah. But like, <laughs> it's so funny to think how differently the, the Canadians, it's different, but it's the same, I guess. Like, there's, it's when the Leafs are going one way or the other, there's, it's it's not as it's it's just like much more uh thudding and like clumsy mm. almost like cl- cumbersome it feels like when the canadians there is like some it's it's like someone's trying to write a a novel or something about this team uh every step of the way like mm. it's and this 
with this um, start, like you said, it's pretty <laughs> obvious what's going on. Like people mm. are trying to make it a bigger, de- like, oh, Mark Bergevin's a free agent at the, you know, his, I've never heard so much talk about a GM who needs a contract extension, right? right? Like it's not, there's, there's very, there's, the, the people are making, the people, the media uh, up there is just making mountains out of molehills with so many different things when it's just pretty easy to tell. Like, yeah, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, you want to know why they're struggling? Because they're not playing on a team with a, 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 a first line center ahead of Nick Suzuki and a, a, who, who's also so right. defensively responsible that he'll, he'll help Cole Caulfield's game. Like there's, there's these things have ripple effects. It's, you don't need to go digging into, you know, Mark Bergevin. And I'm sure that Jeff Petrie is not thinking, Oh man, it's going to be tough to beat the Red Wings tonight with the fact that they haven't extended Bergie yet. Like, no, nah, <laughs> it's just, it's going to be tough to beat the Red Wings because my defense partner's gone. Uh, that's mm. why. And Joel Edmondson, right. who, who, by the way, was, when they when the Canadians traded for Joel Edmonds and everyone made fun of it, they're like, "This guy, look at his his metrics are terrible." He was a good, really good acquisition for them, and he's not there, so they have legitimate issues uh, to point to. <laughs> like they right. have very, very, very clear as day reasons. Uh, and this is a game the Islanders need to win. It's uh, not one that I think if if you had you know, told me uh, you know before the season started. Uh, if I would feel that way, I would say no, but just with the way the Canadians have started uh, and the fact that, like you mentioned, like, yeah, we're going to focus on Montreal, Winnipeg and Minnesota, but the fact that those last two games are the two, uh, the way that this road trip kind of wraps up means that if they go into Florida kind of grasping for, or gasping for points, that's a big deal. So they need to collect them in this upcoming uh, little stretch here. And, that starts on Thursday in a team in a game that they should be favorites uh, to win. They should beat this team, uh, but like, yeah, for some reason the only time I can ever think about the Islanders winning a game in Montreal, and I know this isn't true, is Thomas Hickey's overtime winner in like 2013. Right. So like, uh, that's how I feel about every team, though. I feel like they just never <laughs> win. It. They don't. They don't win in any building ever. Right. Uh, and well, but Montreal especially. That's my thing. Like every time thinking about the Islanders winning in Montreal usually means a goalie making a million saves in a game. Like remember the Thomas Grice game where he went out there and he made like 60 saves or something like, it's just, you know, that's what I'm afraid of. And yeah. not that the Islanders can't do that. And yeah, again, they, they should beat this team, but I mean, I've seen the Islanders lose to much worse Habs teams than this <laughs> in that building. <laughs> and the fact that they're up on the Red Wings right now and have played, you know, so far, one of their better games, if not their best game of the season, certainly makes me feel a lot more uh, suspicious of that game than I was, you know, earlier this morning or maybe last week uh, when the wheels were really coming off. They did send Cole Caulfield down to the AHL. They called up two guys that, you know, every guy who gets called up from the AHL to the Canadians is immediately Guy Lafleur. So everybody gets all excited and like, oh my God, this guy's going to be good. So, you know, Suzuki scored his first game, his first goal of the year tonight. Thank God, because if he didn't, you know, he would have scored that against the Islanders. <laughs> Somebody else too. I think it was Caulfield. So obviously, if he's in the A, he's obviously not going to score against the Islanders on Thursday. But um, you know, that being said, I think we're both in agreement that we shouldn't. As bad as the Habs have been this year, and as many guys as they're missing that are pretty darn good, we shouldn't like overlook them because you never. If if you do, and I don't think the Islanders are because they almost never do, but. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too uh, confident about this as I never am. When the Islanders go to Montreal, there's always that feeling of like, man, what are we doing here? Like, do we, you know, no matter how bad this team is, or you know, the, the Islanders have over the last three years. I mean, forget about the Canadians' trip to the Cup final last year. I mean, over the last three years, I mean, the Islanders have 
been a hundred times better than the Habs have been over the last however many years, you know? So, yeah. And, and then you think about, yeah, so that's Winnipeg, good team and Minnesota, good team uh, on the other end. So the, I think the, the way that I was looking at this road trip uh, from a 30,000 foot view is road teams in the NHL. They win about 46% of the time. I think home ice advantage is like 5% in the NHL since the, Mm lockout in 2004 or something so you think uh all right anything if you get 14 points this is road trips a huge success that's 13 out of 41 road games already crossed off the list uh <laughs> for the season that really puts you in a good spot and they're halfway there and they're right. and then a win against montreal like it would be very shocking if they didn't get there if they don't collect if they did collect two points in this game but if they don't, then all of a sudden you're like, all right, like <laughs> we're talking about two games against two tough teams of 48 hours and, mm. uh, and then two, ga- two games in, in Florida at the end and a, and a pesky Jersey team. So like you, you're, you're just, I mean, like any loss in a season, uh, it's, it's going to cause you to, to really fret, uh, big time. But mm. I think uh, a couple, couple things about where the Islanders are now compared to, uh, where they where they were pre being good uh was that like back in the day we'd always you'd always hear like oh you know pa parento is, is loves you know being back in montreal he might right. score and maybe he did but the islanders would lose like five two but now like <laughs> the guy the guys who are like matt barzell when he's playing on he loves to play on the big stage and mm. when he does have those games it usually means they win because if you're not stopping him the rest of the team is so good mm. that you're there you're you're going to get beat. And it's similar with like Beauvillier. He loves to go home to Montreal yeah. and whatever. So it's, it's kind of funny that now those narratives, um, I get more excited for them now. It's, you mm. know, it's, it's not, Oh boy. Like, you know, Andrew McDonald is, is back here close to Moncton where he grew up. He's playing here <laughs> Ottawa. Like this will yeah. be a fun one to watch. If you're, you know, if you're an Islander fan, like mm. if you, uh, if you could do prop bets, I would definitely bet Beauvillier scoring a goal. Cause I feel like he always does when they're in Montreal, Yep, you know? So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because like we, we say these things because we have all that baggage and we talked about this an episode or two ago. Like we talk about these things, like we have these baggage. Cause like we, we remember stuff like the Thomas Hickey overtime game, the Grice 50 save game, but like I, I the reality exactly is exactly where I was watching that Thomas Hickey overtime goal. <laughs> I, know, I remember I, I was, I was, it was a Thursday, I believe it was a Thursday night. I was at Croxley, I was in Raffle Center and, <laughs> uh, it was, I had to basically write directions out to the bartender how to get to watch the Islander game because it was on whatever it was it was in the frozen tundra of cable vision like on 206 or something and Mm. we finally got there and thank god we did because that was a a spectacular game Mm. yeah I I mean I could I can remember the picture afterwards that was uh the headline on lighthouse hockey and it's I've seen a million times Hickey kind of fist pumping and then Tavares behind him, like just going crazy, ready to like jump on his back because that was their first win in Montreal in decades, probably, you know, so it's kind of a huge deal. Um, But the reality is this is a different team and okay, fine. Yeah, sure. They might lose, but like this is a different team that was then and I'm sure Barry is telling them what to do and how to do it. And it's going to be about, you know, following the system and and doing their thing. Um, You know, the thing and you you mentioned this before and, and you're right, like, you know, as as good as it is that they are three, two, two and two through the first couple of games of this through first half of the road trip, we really haven't seen Islanders hockey yet. You know, they, they're still kind of letting in a few too many high danger chances. They're not really getting too many of their own or if they are, they're not sustaining it throughout the course of the game. So 
they are going to need to get back to their game eventually. And we know that that's limiting high danger chances and getting their own. And of course the Habs are a team that kind of live. I mean, every team does, but like in particular, the Habs are the kind of team that like lives sort of in the high danger chance area. Um, so they're going to need to get in there. Um, but you know, no carry price is a big one. No Shea Weber is a big one. So, uh, hopefully they can, they can use this to kind of wipe away a lot of, uh, bad memories <laughs> of previous uh, games against Canadians. Then it's on to Winnipeg. Of course, Barry Trotz's hometown, basically Ryan Pulick's hometown, Butch Goring's hometown too. And so, uh, you know, they've actually, it's funny because of all the road Canadian teams, uh, Barnes, I feel like Winnipeg has been actually one of the better ones. I mean, yeah. I remember wins that they've had, they, they had that Franz Nielsen game where he scored and broke Nick Ehlers visor. They had that Jordan Everly game from a couple of years ago. So that that's a, an arena that's actually been, Fairly kind to the Islanders. I don't know what it is. Maybe they have too many Winnipeggers, Manitobans on the roster that counteracts the uh, the effects of the uh, what the hell is the name of it? Is it what is it? Is it MTS Arena? I forget what that. Yeah, I think it is MTS yeah. Center or something. And, and, yeah. So yeah. So uh, that ought to be a good one. Saturday night in Winnipeg. Uh, it's apparently supposed to be warmer in Winnipeg than it is going to be in New York. Thank you, huh? Eric Hornick. So yeah, yeah, go go figure. So uh, and I uh, feel like they always play Winnipeg, not for this year, but they usually play them around New Year's Eve. Yes, too. very late in the season they usually yeah, play. Yeah, like and that, I, like you said, I remember that that game. I think it's the Everly one you were talking about when hmm. uh, they scored, they scrambled back into right. and won a game that game in regulation. And I think that was that was a seminal moment in that first season where I was like, oh shit, like this team. Not only is this team good, but like they could do something this is this it feels bigger now like it's not like mm. just like a oh, surprising start or fun team anymore uh mm. yeah th- there's something about that because th- the jets are i like the jets like yeah. I, I i don't like i don't know what it is why like i guess the novelty never really wore off of getting that team back <laughs> and i i think also it, it made me um Gave me a little bit of comfort back during the dark years of are the Islanders going to be there in the morning that, <laughs> oh, look, Winnipeg got their team back. They left and then they can't, you know, their one team left and they got a team back. Like, that's cool. Like, maybe if the <laughs> Islanders ever left 20 years from now, I'd get it wow. back. But <laughs> like, like, I think, it, you know, that's how, how if you really want to go like deep yeah. into into my soul and psyche, like that's part of the reason maybe I like them. But mm. um, yeah, they're just kind of an affable team. But it's funny because the I don't think that feel that way about the wild at all like i don't really like this team no me neither and you know the wild in, in a way are a little bit like the islanders you know they went from this team that was historically very boring nobody ever wanted to watch these guys they had good players but like you know they didn't play an exciting brand of hockey they never really went anywhere in the playoffs now they've got one of the most exciting players in the league in kirill kaprizov and you still don't like <laughs> just like oh man these guys um big difference between winnipeg and montreal and minnesota is that Winnipeg has Connor Hellebuck, who won a Vezina Trophy recently. He's one of your picks to walk away with a lot of hardware uh, at the end of this year. He's pretty darn good. Um, the Wild have Capo uh, Kakinen and Cam Talbot, who are both pretty good too. But I feel like you know having that that kind of scary goalie back there is a big deal. Um, I believe Kaprizov is still without a goal. I don't know. Is that is that right? Because if he is, and they get to that game, and he doesn't have a goal. <laughs> He's walking out of there with a hat trick. I'm telling you right now. So just hopefully he scores a goal between now and then, because that would be. I mean, you know, I mean, somebody's going to do it. Like it's just going to happen eventually. But just, I just hope it's not the Islanders. Let's put it that way. The wild games too. I think maybe the reason I don't like them, it does go back to the Clutterbuck. Oh yeah, one hundred meter rider trade for sure, and and also like the way Bill Guerin kind of was 
left the Islanders a little bit, a, a little, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm not I f- totally sure. I feel but like Minnesota as a whole, like came into the league immediately looking down on the Islanders. Like, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I might be making that up in my head, but like some I'll teams, like a lot that. of teams look down on the Islanders, but like they've been established teams, obviously. Right. But like, you know, the Minnesota wild, I still feel like they were just founded like yesterday, you know, and it's like, I, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'll sign up for that theory because there's just something there. That this is really <laughs> annoying. And, and I think, you know, and it is the, the, definitely the Clutterbuck Niederreiter thing because, mm. yeah, I was pissed when they made that trade because I thought Niederreiter is going to be great and he's been a solid NHLer. But like, you probably make that trade again mm. if you're the Islanders. With if you think about how just how important Clutterbuck's been to the team, uh, and a, the fourth line as much of a trope as it might seem to the outside world, like, and it and it seemed to us at first too. We've we've kind of changed our tune and understand just how important it is yeah. that these three players play together and are spend every waking second of every day together. Uh, yeah. So it, it's like it, that trade is probably in terms of just like counting stats. Was it a win for the Islanders? No, but in terms of what it did for the team, yes. And I don't think that anybody thought it would have been that way. Yeah. Um, and and Cal Clutterbuck because of his name and his style too, when he first broke into the league with the wild, you, you thought, Oh man, the wild, like this guy's going to go down as a Minnesota <laughs> wild hero. Mm. Um, and then he comes to the Islanders and he, it's obviously beyond the point now. Like, of course it is. He, he is an Islander much more than he is a wild. He's probably played a couple hundred more games for the Islanders. Oh yeah. Than he did oh, definitely. Minnesota. But I never thought it was going to, even when they traded for him, I never thought it was going to get like that. <laughs> like I thought, yeah, he'll be here for a couple of years and sign somewhere else for a free agent. Dude's been here for a long time and done right. a lot of lot of stuff for the Islanders. It's uh, it's pretty funny. Like that's just just almost in the boy Chuck Letty sense. Like you just mm. never you don't sometimes. Great thing about sports is you like don't see these things coming and they uh, they do completely change uh, the team and just like your outlook on a player or whatever. Uh, there, there are certain trades that get the sort of like hockey Twitter treatment. And like they are immediately panned. I mean, you talked about it before, like Joel Edmondson stuff, like the, the Canadian trader for Ben Sherratt, who was with Winnipeg for a little while. And same thing, like, oh, this guy sucks. Now he's like an indispensable part of the team. And like, you know, there's this immediate reaction. And then over time, things change. And suddenly you don't hear about him anymore. The the Weber for Subban trade was like that. Oh, my God. How could the Canadians trade PK Subban? He's so good. He won a Norris trophy. How could they do this? And like it's almost the same thing. Like in in terms of like excitement and counting stats and goals, you know, losing PK to the Predators was dumb. That was a stupid thing. But like now, Shea Weber is as much a part of that Canadians team as anybody. And he was the captain. I mean, he essentially just led them, helped them get to a Stanley Cup final, which is something that PK hadn't done. So like, you know, would you make that trade again? I, Probably <laughs> it's, it's, it's as much as as much grief and as much static as happened at the time, you know, it's turned out to be pretty. And of course, like, you know, PK got traded again. And now, you know, you watch him play for the Devils and he's sort of OK sometimes, but he's not quite the player, obviously, that he was in in Montreal. And obviously, poor Shea Weber at this point is, like I said, all but retired. But like the Clutterbuck Niederreiter trade is that, too. Again, it it happens so that Niederreiter got traded in an even worse trade than the Clutterbuck one. But, you know, Victor Rask apparently has played pretty well this this year or, you know, since that trade. But at first he was terrible. And it was like, what are you doing? Getting rid of this guy. You know, all things considered, considering what the Islanders have gotten now out of that fourth line, you just don't hear that much about that trade anymore because I think people are just 
they've come to accept it. Like there's no point in, in writing the Islanders case about it anymore. Cause like it kind of worked out. <laughs> it's, you know, would it have been great if, if Nino had like stepped up and been like a, you know, second or third line right winger and, or first line right winger and scored 30 goals. Sure. Then the whole, the whole, you know, franchise would have been altered. But like, if you take those guys for what they are now, I mean, honestly, you know, the Islanders have gotten a lot out of Cal, gotten a lot out of Cal Clutterbuck along with the other two guys. And like I said, they're just ensconced in the team now. I I think it's probably worked out. Okay. (laughs) I think, you know, uh, it's just, that's how it is now, you know, if 10 years later or whatever. It's yeah. He's, and you, you now that like I think that's probably what it is, right? That 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 the way the trade was re- received and right uh, that that stuck with me because that I stuff was does. at the draft when that trade went down, and me and Les, who wrote for Lighthouse Hockey, were just like, "What the hell are they doing? <laughs> this is insane! <laughs> Why would you do this?" And, yeah, like uh, yeah. I, I I I guess like too you, he Clutterbuck. I, I haven't looked at Islander since we saw the Josh Bailey number and I'm starting <laughs> to think about all these other players who've been around, like how close are they to the Islander, like all time, you know, whether it's game played or whatever list penalty minutes, uh, like Clutterbuck's probably going to play a thousand games in the NHL and he's got to be close. Like he's probably in, in like the 800s, high 800s. He's missed a like, chunk of time. Let me, let me look yeah, this but up. He, He's because he's not as old as you think, he, but, right. but like you said, like his style, like you age a little bit quicker, obviously. And uh, but it would be just a another funny one to see <laughs> in a couple of years to see him cross like a major threshold, maybe like even nine hundred games, like in his nine hundredth game, be like, damn, like this guy's had a solid, he's solid at, career. He's at eight eighty one right now, so like Jesus. he'll pass yeah. nine hundred this year. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's gonna pass he's been and, six years in Minnesota. How about that? <laughs> six years. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like he, it felt like he was there for a while, but he's but he's obviously been an Islander for a lot longer. And right. yeah, there's uh when you when you're not scoring and like producing the counting stats like he, he you produce them at the level he does. The fact that he's stuck around and uh, been a regular contributor for as long as he has because the rest of his game uh is is so good or so solid and trustworthy that shows a that really does speak a lot of on him and and we every three weeks or so on this podcast like i'll be like oh you know like how can we go a couple go this long without talking about either anders lee or matt barzell or whatever <laughs> but we, i feel like we barely talk about clutterbuck like because we talk about him in in the same sense as we talk about you know and i think we he's definitely the third wheel on that line i think for <laughs> the two islander fans like because <laughs> matt martin is the mayor casey Zizekas <laughs> is the center and right. was just a free agent and he's probably the best fourth line center in the league uh, and so Clutterbuck is kind of the forgotten man, and you know we, maybe we don't talk about him enough. Enough, he, and he scored some goals already this season too, which has been nice. So mm, yeah, uh, yeah, he's he, he's going to go down as someone who, in, in a couple of years after he's left or retired, I'm going to be like, you know what, like I probably didn't appreciate him uh, as much as I should have. And we're, we're talking about you know Zach Parisi going back to Minnesota, but <laughs> <laughs> instead you know we're spending our time talking about Clutterbuck, um, and he deserves it. Like it's mm. it's it's someone that I definitely gloss over and. He's uh he's he's obviously popular with the, the his team and the coaching staff so yeah yeah oh yeah Tip for sure uh, yeah right um yeah now we definitely of all the Islanders that have been on the team since we started doing this podcast I really do feel like you're probably right that we've talked about Cal Clutterbuck the least <laughs> like he's never really had that showcase game although he did score the final goal in the first go around in SO Coliseum so that he'll always have that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is pretty interesting. And I guess, yeah, I mean, so he is a free agent this year. 
I mean, he's obviously going to pass 900 games. He'll come back next year to get his thousandth, I'm sure, because, you know, it's, he's within one season of that. Uh, and the Islanders would love to have a ceremony there and we'll see where it goes. But uh, it's funny you mentioned Parisi again, and we'll wrap up with this. It just occurred to me now. Here I am saying that if Kirill Kaprizov doesn't have a goal, he's definitely going to get a hat trick against the Islanders when they play. I guarantee you that there is some Minnesota Wild podcaster or blogger or fan somewhere right now thinking Zach Parisi has no goals right now for the Islanders. And if he comes into this game with no goals in Minnesota, you know he's getting one <laughs> against the Wild. I wouldn't say a hat trick. He's not Kirill Kaprizov, obviously, but like I would I would think that that's probably just as equally as good a bet, you know, as <laughs> walk out, walk out of there with his first goal of the season. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Can you imagine that? You know, so it's he's <laughs> he's had like he's been so good, but it's just right. been so obvious that he was he's gonna be snake bitten in like a Jordan yeah. Eberly way. It's just and, yeah. and, and oh, man. it's just like you're like this guy, he's he's in, in the right spot at the right time for so many times throughout a game mm. and uh the puck just hops over a stick or something or he's like knocked down by a defenseman mm. or something uh that it's 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 like frustrating in a way because you know he's probably gripping the stick a little bit and wants to get the first one and but you're just like ah i think our <laughs> fan base too we understand these things a little bit more right. like no, no one's gonna no one's gonna jump down his you know his throat because he's not scoring be, right and or or be mad at lou because he's doing so much of the little parts of this the the islanders like ethos right uh, which, which is, is really funny important. because if he was still leo komarov in that spot with no goals we would immediately <laughs> yeah. be jumping down every throat we could yeah. possibly find so I wonder how leo's doing i don't know <laughs> he's doing all right i guess because he's not in bridgeport you know whatever. <laughs> i just would love to the islanders should do one of the and, and they don't do anything like this because the loot rules but it would be funny if they did like a day in the life of leo right. in in waiver purgatory i imagine him sitting in the press box with the visor, with the helmet on, with the visor like up, you know, over his his forehead, like he wears when he plays the game, just like walking <laughs> around. I imagine him walking around Northwell with just like a pair of shorts and flip flops and the helmet on, the visor. Like I'm ready, coach, put me in. Yeah, just like showing up to the to the game in Nashville right. and being like, Leo, you're not playing, and he's like, ah, like oh, all right, like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make me leave, just like joking yeah. around. And, like, <laughs> he's there just to zing everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, like, yeah. Everybody in every language he can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what his job is. He's there to translate, as Barry Trotz has said. Leo, we just have Leo sit next to the Russians. And he speaks. He can <laughs> translate from Russian to Finnish to Swedish to English. Whatever. We don't know what he's saying. As Barry Trotz had said at one point, like we don't know if he's saying the right thing, but he's the only guy who knows the language, so we have to put him in there. And it, just going back <laughs> to Clutterbuck with like Leo too. Without Leo in the lineup, Clutterbuck is kind of the only. Uh, 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 like pest in the lineup right, right now too, because yeah. the elite Leo is is an after the whistle all star, and so is yeah. Clutterbuck. And mm. he, I think Mark, Mark, Mark Martin's much more in the whistle, and he's he's a little different. Like I would way. say that Nelson is a sneaky pest. Yeah, he is but, actually. Yeah, but he's you're not wrong. Too. He's a, he's hilarious to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Next time the whistle blows and you see Brock Nelson, you actually just stare at him, and because he, he's doing something. Yeah, this is very subtle. A lot of times, like grabbing a guy's like shoelace yeah. or flicking his ear, that kind of stuff. He he definitely has a uh, a knack for getting under people's skin, and you don't know why because it's like he's, he just seems like such a nice, quiet guy, but he's doing he's, something out there. It, yeah, Nelson and Bailey for sure. Like, and we know <laughs> what Mark Shifley feels about Bailey, but like, I really want to, <laughs> I really want to ask everybody in the league to anonymously just submit me what they think about this guy. Like, because right. it does seem like he's a Minnesota guy, and he's from like a hockey family, obviously. So it does seem like he knows a lot of players, like when they're either warming up or playing or something. And he's been around the league for a while too. So obviously you yeah. know him too, but like, I just would love to hear people's 
reaction because if Barry Trotz didn't really know who Josh Bailey was, despite <laughs> playing in the same division as him for a lot of his career, yeah. like would love to know what Jonathan Huberto like when he when he sees up. <laughs> hell is Bailey twelve? Yeah, right. he's only been in the league for a thousand games. Some, yeah, he probably gets yeah. called like an AHL scrub like in, yeah. after the whistle. Be like, whoa, what are you going back down to the AHL? He's like, I just played my thousandth game. Yeah. <laughs> um so, but actually so you mentioned the division uh i thought we were going to talk about this more but we kind of got off on tangent about these three games but it's fine um but yeah so the metro once again is proving to be just the worst division ever i was reading an article in the athletic today about the flyers and the subject came up with them too and claude Giroux was like look we know what's going on with this division it's not a secret who's in this nobody's nobody takes a dive nobody stinks like everybody's good and you just have to kind of be in it uh, at the end, and, and he's not wrong for sure, but uh, it is a little rough when, it, and it, it's funny to me because when we did our first episode, the Penguins had won two games in a row, and they were like in first place, and I just looked today, and they're in last place. They were actually behind the Islanders. They've also had a really wacky schedule. It feels like they haven't played in a week and a half, but it is funny how, you know, it's the early part of the season. You can be in first place one week, and then in last place the next week. The Hurricanes haven't lost yet, so I mean... Until further notice, they're the best ones out there. You know, we'll see what happens with the Rangers and Flyers and and Caps. The Caps had another also uh, unbeaten run for a while. So, and the Blue Jackets are sticking around. Like, just nobody tell them that they you know lost a bunch of dudes this summer because they're out there and and they're pretty darn good. And you know, for the Islanders to have uh, they lost in overtime to them, you know, but I mean that's one point from a pretty good team. So, uh, yeah, it just sucks. It just really sucks that this is the way it is and. You know, I, I had fun watching a Jets game for the first time in many, many years on Sunday. That Mike White game was actually kind of a laugh riot. I was sitting on my couch laughing at, at how competent the Jets looked for once. And um, but whenever I think about the Metro Division, I always think of like the Jets are were stuck in the same thing for the longest time. Like they just nobody was ever going to get past the Patriots. And it was just the stupidest, most frustrating, awful thing ever. And then the Patriots. Now they're kind of human, and oh, by the way, the Buffalo Bills are just awesome now. And it's like, ugh, really? You know, so forget about the Jets' problems. Even if the Jets solved all their problems uh, with Mike White or anybody else, uh, you know, there's always going to be that one team that just you're never going to get past. And but they're they're lucky it's only a four team division because if there was twice as many, you're stuck looking at the Metro division. Basically, the same thing. It's just everybody's really good. It's just how yeah. it is. Yeah, it's it's they they have good. Bad. This is what I was concerned about. Like the the bottom of the division, just they're gonna the basement dwellers are gonna be the best bad teams in the league probably. Uh, so it's really scary and frustrating. I, I am a little. Uh, I was looking today, and I've came out feeling a little bit better about <laughs> the Hurricanes and Rangers, um, Flyers too. Like a lot of what they're doing is the Flyers had like the fewest shots on goal in the NHL <laughs> so far this season and are shooting like 11% at five on five and uh, they're getting better goaltending. So I like it's, it doesn't seem as sustainable uh, over the long term. Hell, this is hockey. So who knows it could, <laughs> and the, there's some like signs with the Rangers too. And uh, but, like, this is lucky. Igor Shesterkin. That's the, that's the most frustrating thing about mm. this whole situation is like, we just suffered through, 15 seasons of Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> it takes some, there's some, you can, I mean, you can rattle off uh, half the league, the Oilers for mm. like the, the Sharks teams that haven't been able to find a goalie in a decade. Um, and this, you know, the Rangers just happen to just 
I guess when you have someone who's as good as Lundqvist was for 15 years, that buys you time to kind of sift through and find another really good one. Mm. Uh, but like, if it wasn't for Varlamov and Sorokin being in town, and I, I would feel a lot, I would, I would be really, really pissed at the hockey gods that this mm. guy is there and playing well and looks like the real deal because I was w- really looking forward to the Rangers not being able to win games the way they won with Lundqvist. Like just <laughs> get, you know, hang around, have a couple really good players and, that can win you that can score you a goal here against the run of play. And then your goalie stands on his head because that's very frustrating, uh, but that's how they're doing it again. Mm. And my hope is that it's just, you know, in this day and age in the NHL, you can't really uh, not, you know, knock on wood yeah. really, really have success that way. So uh, here's hoping that, that that kind of comes unglued soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's your reminder that Henrik Lundqvist retired without a Stanley cup. So yes, that's right. That is yeah, Henrik Lundqvist and the two hosts of this podcast have the same amount of Stanley Cups. Yeah, exactly. So, so I I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, you know, the maybe history will repeat itself in that way too. You never know. But yeah, it does suck. Um, and it's just you know, the, again, it gets back to what we've been saying before in this podcast and earlier in other podcasts. You know, staying above water on this road trip is key because if you you know, get in the weeds over a couple of games, you might not get that time back. And so the Islanders are doing well for themselves. Keep, keep their head above water. Keep, you know, keep getting points somehow, some way. And then hopefully when you get home and you've got 60% of your schedule back at home, then, you know, you can make hay that way. So uh, it would, uh, it, it would be very helpful for them to get points in these next three games coming up. Actually, I completely forgot to m- mention this before, but you brought them up just now. I would expect Varlamov to get one of these two games. I would assume it's either in Winnipeg or in Minnesota, right? Yeah. He's got to play one of those, one of those two. So I, I would say you're right. I think uh, you, you, there's no reason to uh, go, go to him for Montreal because Sorokin right. looked good again. Uh, yeah. And you, it's not like he's, yeah, he's played all seven games, uh, but he's played them in sporadically except for that one back to back. It's, I, it's it's funny that he's he's this this is how the season is shook out because uh, I think they showed the trivia question was like which goalie who's the last Islander goalie to start the first seven games of the season mm. and uh, I think the answer was Felix Potvin by the way I couldn't remember what it was <laughs> someone can correct me if I was wrong but uh, it's it's just like even going back I was like DPH definitely did so mm. and he didn't like the, it's just funny that th- he's been that much of a horse to start this has been a really impressive stretch in in a lot of different ways from him and it's not just his performance on the ice but it's the fact that this guy who who is uh he, this is his first quote unquote like real NHL season because it's you know 82 games playing teams outside of the East Division um th- that they're rolling with him like this like yeah. like he's you know, I said maybe Wallstrom's the only guy with an A, and because Sorokin had those two first games, but maybe that was ex- you know expecting too much from him to to be this good for that many games because he's just been spectacular and he's mm. done it uh, over a seven game stretch, which is pretty pretty impressive for a goalie in this day. So mm. yeah, and that's the other you know the comforting thing like they might have Igor, we got Ilya, um, mm. so it's uh, he he deserves uh, he deserves a lot more. Uh, credit than he will be given, uh, I think, yeah. from from most of the people around the league. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, people will, especially if he plays in Montreal and he plays well, you'll see a lot of like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, well, he's been here for two years. And <laughs> it's like, you haven't seen him, but he's he's pretty darn good. So, yeah, we'll see. And then, uh, yeah, I would I would imagine Farlamov would get one of the other two where they, they work him in. Um, okay. Uh, we've uh, we've gotten a lot out of one game and one game, three upcoming yeah. games. So I'm pretty impressed by our performance here. Uh, <laughs> a couple of things real quick before we sign off. Uh I got my copy today. You can order it next week from Amazon. It's 100 Things Islanders Fans Should Know Before They Die. It is written by our friend Arthur Staple. It is packed to the gills with fun stories and trivia and just great stuff that, as an Islanders fan, you may know, you may not know. Did you know about Mark Parrish and Eric Cairns and I think Steve Webb all living in the same house together during the era? I didn't know about those stories, but they're in the book, so you can check it out. Uh, it's available on Amazon. You should get it. It's great. I mean, uh, one of these days I'll post a picture of my Islanders library of of books, and I'm pretty sure most of them are out of print by now. <laughs> it's got used for the Islanders Award Winners podcast, and uh, I just like to have them too. And uh, this is immediately going in there and has all that cool stuff. So uh, you should check it out. It's called 100 Things Islanders Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Go to Amazon. Just type in 100 Things Islanders Fans at Amazon. You'll find it. That comes out next week. Second thing is, and we mentioned them a couple of weeks ago, is the Pinot Project. Uh, they are set up at UBS Arena. They sent me some nice wine that my wife and I and our family will probably enjoy over Thanksgiving break. So thanks a lot, guys. Uh, if you're looking for a wine that tastes great and gives you a lot of bang for your buck, drink the Pinot Project. Pinot Project makes delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé all under $15 a bottle. And it will be served this season at the Islanders' new home, UBS Arena, Find the Pinot Project in your local wine shop and enjoy. So do that. Pinot Project. Come on, they're Islanders fans. Like, you're going to go buy wine. I I don't know anything about wine. Uh, And so if I'm going to go buy wine, I want to buy it from somebody (laughs) I know and I trust. And if I know these dudes are Islanders fans, I'm buying their wine. Like, you know. And 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 it's it's delicious. It's delicious. So buy it. It's good. Uh, That's about it. Uh, Where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Bigly Basket with two E's. I lost you there for a second. Uh, the Big Lebowski. No, I, was, with these, I, uh, I was just watching the end of, of the, the Flyers Coyotes game on. Oh, I just love this Carol Vamelka guy. Like this, this Coyotes team right. is hilarious, man. They are just so funny because they're they're playing hard and they're playing like the zero zero after the second and mm. uh, like they're just they're scrambling. This is, they they gave the Hurricanes a game and this Vamelka guy's been playing really well and uh, you just watch them just like. I don't know anybody on this team is going to score. Like they, this game could go on for, they could shut the flyers out for 27 periods, but mm. I don't think Andrew Ladd is going to be the one to break the ice. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's gotta be pretty tough out there. There's going to be a book written about this, this coyotes team when they, they end up with like the worst record in the NHL history and they end up with like the fourth overall pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and take some defensemen with the scores from like Germany or something. But anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, there you go. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Um, read his work at the Action Network. Uh, I noticed you uh, you were tweeting your soccer podcast today. Uh, anything else uh, that you're going to be on this week? No, that's about it. Soccer, yeah. and you know, you we, we, we'll, we'll have some hockey stuff. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's been a fun fun couple of weeks with with the Champions League and stuff. And I, that's it's cool. uh, just real one last thing. I was thinking about this with. Uh, the uh, Manchester United game and Cristiano Ronaldo scored and whatever. And, and I actually saw that. I yeah, watched that on TV. I saw that goal. <laughs> this is this might sound nuts, 
but there's a lot of Matt Barzell, like, like there's a lot of the their style, I guess, like the mm. way they play. And I've always said like when Barzell scores, like he's they're usually the goals are usually of the quality that people should be throwing. He doesn't just score a goal where he's like cruising through and parking mm. home a, a, a puck. Um, the puck's in midair a lot of the time when he scores those kind of goals and the people should throw roses at him. And, and Ronaldo scored a couple of ridiculous goals today. And I was like, you know what? Like if Matt Barzell was a soccer player, that, those are the type of goals that he would score. Mm. That's, that's all I wanted to say. Well, hopefully uh, Barzell can have the type of amazing international career that gets you a bust that looks absolutely nothing like you. It's <laughs> a, a horrible, horrible visage of what really is a very handsome man. So that's, yeah. that's the sign that you're a superstar uh, of the world is when they make a bust of you and it looks nothing like you and it looks like Frankenstein. Meanwhile, you look like Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so check out the Wonder Goal. That's Mike's uh, soccer podcast through the Action Network. It's very cool. And uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, we have updates on Bridgeport now, which is great. Noel is doing these. Honestly, we've been very remiss in our like Bridgeport coverage over the years. I've always wanted to, to do something like this, and Noel is taking the ball and, and run with it, and it's great. Like you get some real updates from from Bridgeport. The Islanders do that too, but like it's nice to get you know like a, a human being doing these things, and you get a real a real sense of like you know who's playing well, who's doing this, guys coming in. Uh, Tanner, uh, what the heck is his name? Tanner Fritz came in as an opposing player the other day, so uh, I forget what he did, but that, that must have been pretty weird to see but anyway check those out those are at lighthouse hockey now too and uh we'll be back next week uh and we'll see how many uh, points the islanders can collect in these next three games uh you know they're they're big ones uh you know i don't know if they're must wins this early in the season but let's get some points <laughs> they could really use it uh, especially in this division and especially uh away from ubs arena which is only you know two weeks out now it's crazy that's getting this close you see <laughs> Yeah. And the other thing is I've heard very little about like the logistics from yeah. from like my ticket rep. So I'm just really we we've said it all along and this will be it for another episode, but uh I just I won't I still won't believe it till I, <laughs> I'm actually sitting in my seat and I really can't wait to see what happens. Like because you know something will like whether it's right. a, I don't think it'll be a bad thing, but something's gonna happen with this arena opening that's gonna be funny and very islanders and I'm I'm yeah. excited to see find out what it is. We gotta we gotta figure out a way sometime this season to like do a live podcast from there. Even if it's just you and me sitting over my phone or something, just talking <laughs> into it about we're here. I can't believe it. We're here in this it, physically in this building right now because that that would be the culmination of many 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 conversations about this very yeah. same thing. But but we'll get there. We still got two weeks. I'm still watching that live feed, man. They got glass up on that sort of atrium thing now. Looks like the inner bowl is mostly done. Uh, and, uh, the ice was down. They got some, uh, I saw the, uh, like the kind of graphic, like the opening thing with the, you know, the montage of all the Islanders and stuff. It looks pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, but we're two weeks out from there. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll be back next week and, uh, we'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.